This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. We've done our homework on them already. We've spent all yesterday afternoon in the analysis room going over them, and, and what we are up against is a very, very good outfit. Um, first and foremost, we're glad that you know Christian Eriksen is, is recovering really, really well. Ben's a close friend of his, Ben Davis. Um, and he was cut up the night it was all unfolding. So, you know, first and foremost, football is football comes and goes for coaches, managers, players, but your family's with you for life. So that's important. With he's back with his family um, and his children, and, and that's the most important thing. With regards to business on Saturday, we're there to beat them, and that's it. There's no no emotion from us with regards to that. Um, we're there to do a job, and we absolutely be ready for it. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Wales boss Rob Page. He says that the team are ready for Denmark in the last 16. It's Ross here. It's uh, on the ball on a Friday evening. What do you, how do you all feel after a decent night's sleep, eh? Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, I know Bob Holmes is all chipper this evening. Hello, Bob. Hi. I'm recharged, I think, already. <laughs> I, wish the, I wish it was tonight, the next game. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what? I'm, I'm with Bob on that one. Craig Marais is also here. Hello, Craig. How you doing, guys? Feeling absolutely refreshed after a good night's sleep. Uh, what a change that is. What a change that is. Everybody's all bouncing up and down, and so is Des Corkill. Hello, Des. Well, I'm looking forward to Johor, who kick off uh, very, very shortly in the AFC Champions League. But also, I must correct you, not everyone in the world is after Denmark. Come on, Shaka Kamrai. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm for Wales as well. All right, we'll be talking about the uh, last 16, uh, eight, massive matches. Of course, you can tweet us all individually. Find us on Twitter. You can also tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. We heard the Wales interim coach, Rob Page, at the start. Wales versus Denmark gets our last 16 ties underway. It is a midnight kickoff on Sunday. Two matches a day, all the way through to Wednesday morning. So Wales versus Denmark then. The Welsh have qualified second from Group A behind Italy, ahead of Switzerland. First of all, Bob, are you surprised they made it through the group? Uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, what we've seen, I think they've certainly done it on merit. And they've managed to uh, repeat what they did five years ago, which that's a bit of a surprise. But well, on the performance, no, I'm not surprised. Um, and I'll also be supporting Wales. Um, it's a pity these two have to meet, isn't it? Because I think they would be most of the world's favourites if it if it wasn't for the fact that they're you know they're going to knock one's going to be knocked out. Um, I can understand why a lot of people are supporting Denmark, obviously, but um, I mean. I, I've always supported the British teams uh, and the Republic of Ireland as well. So I'm not going to change that for, for anything. And I think Wales have got a chance. They've got absolutely tremendous spirit. If they could bottle that, wow, they, they've really got something there, haven't they? Um, quite amazing. But Denmark have got something similar. I think they've rallied. The whole country has rallied after the Christian Eriksen incident and um, he's discharged from hospital now and we don't know whether he's going to be able to carry on playing at this at this level that's a, that's for a, another day I think but it's certainly given the country a boost and uh, we could have a cracking match on our hands here this this really does uh, shape up pretty positively 
Ethan Ampadu won't be available for Rob Page and Wales. He received the red last time out against Italy. That that game against Italy is is um, an inclination to Wales of of the the kind of standard they need. They need to step up in class now, don't they, Des? Whereas you move into the knockout stages, even better quality sides you're facing. Well, no, uh, let, let's... Um, Ampadu, it was a shocking red card. Uh, blah, blah, grr, grr. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's, yeah, he wasn't why wasn't it overturned? Red... No, exactly. Why wasn't it overturned? But let's not go there. I, I'm sure if it was an Italian, it would have been, but let's not go there. I just... <laughs> um, Wales, that was largely a second-choice team. Uh, defensively, anyway. They went to three at the back. They decided Chris Gunter uh, would come in and Ampadu would come in. is not a regular starter for them. Um, and so, uh, for, for Wales, I'm anticipating them going back to their four at the back as they had against Turkey. And um, for me, that's a different mentality. Uh, for me, this uh, is all about Rob Page. If Wales believe they can actually go out and win this game, rather than defend stubbornly and hit on the break and rely on the ramsey Bale combination, which has been excellent. I think if Wales, not a gung-ho, but actually go out and try and win this game, get the uh, full-backs uh, that round the outside, Gareth Bale won't miss more chances. He's, he's missed so many. Remember the, the, the chance he had against Italy yeah. when he volleyed over with just yeah. five minutes to go? So Wales are creating chances even in the games where they're sitting back and holding. And I think they've got more of a chance here if they go for that solid four at the back Joe Allen's been a star in midfield. I'm not sure whether Joe Morello will be able to carry on uh, his pace. He's, he's the only one I'm at slightly iffy about. But Wales, if they believe that they can go uh, and win this game, I think there's a place in the, in the quarterfinals there holding for them because I don't think Denmark are as good as everybody says, especially now Ericsson isn't part of the setter. Yeah, I know. Well, we, we say that, but contrasting momentum, Craig Marais, going into this one, uh, obviously, Wales losing their last game, albeit with changed sides against Italy. But the Danes really stepped up in that last game, didn't they? They thumped Russia 4-1. Damsgaard stepped into the Ericsson role. And my word, what a goal that was. Yeah, um, what a player he's becoming. You know, one of the revelations of the tournament, I think. Um, but but this Danish side, you know, they're obviously carried uh, by the sport of the, the world, like you said, Ross, earlier. Um, it's run on emotion that side now. Isn't it, it is, but but I mean, you you know when things aren't going your way during a match, and you know it's a little bit tough. You know, you, I think it, there's always some element that that pulls you through, and I think this this whole Christian Eriksen thing uh, could just be it. Uh, do I expect them to win it? No, but I think they go a lot further than we thought they, they would um, at the start of the tournament. I think this is a great fixture for them. Um, I think Welch will probably be thinking the same thing too. Uh, what, one of the most impressive uh, performers in that, that Danish side, for me personally, has been Hoiberg. Um, yeah. I, I think he's been really, really good um, for them. He, I mean, you think about the season he had with Spurs, moved to a new club. He was probably the only standout performer in that side. Um, I mean, okay. Son and Harry Kane, obviously, but <laughs> them two aside, um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic for them. Um, and Jose and knew, Jose knew, yeah. I mean, he's a Jose, he's a Jose type of player, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, um, you know, does all the dirty work, but it's it's what he's done further forward, um, in this tournament, which has impressed me. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know, if you have someone like him in midfield, it always adds that little bit of quality. Delaney's there too, uh, plays at a, uh, at a very high level. Um, they, they've got talent. They've got talent that play at big clubs um, throughout Europe. So, I mean, we probably look down on Denmark a little bit and say they're a tiny, tiny country. You know, they, they're not going to do much. 
their, their plays are pretty good. Um, so I, I think this is a this is a tough game um, for for both sides. I, I think Wales would have fancied um, you know getting someone like Denmark. You know they they could have got a much worse draw. Um, and likewise, Denmark would have felt the same way. So uh, I think this is going to be a really good uh, game, which both teams are going to go at it. Like Des said, you know, Wales aren't just going to sit back and defend. They will have a go at Denmark. Um, and, and rightly so, you know, I think I think this could be an absolute cracker, but I expect uh, Denmark to urge you. Yeah. If there's emotion, if the Danish fans can travel, that makes a big difference on the emotion, as Craig was saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, Denmark have now become the first team in European Championship history to reach the knockout stages of the competition after having lost their first two group games. Uh, and none of the 10 previous meetings between Wales and Denmark have ended in a draw. Four wins for Wales, six for Denmark. So it's all pointing to a nil-nil after 90 minutes extra time and maybe a penalty shootout. <laughs> it's the first of your last 16 ties over the weekend. Wales versus Denmark is Sunday midnight from Amsterdam. Could I make a, a point here? I'd just like to add a little nugget to the Wales uh, uh, story. Uh, I don't think many people know this, but Kiefer Moore, the big center forward, came very close to playing for China. Now, you ask why. His great granddad came from China, arrived in Liverpool about 70 years ago or so, and uh, he was lined up to play for a Beijing team at the end of 2019 with the idea of being naturalized as a, a, and become an international for China. They've got a new policy of naturalizing anybody with the flimsiest Jack Charlton type qualification. This was great grandfather, and the, but the deal fell through. And then we had, co uh, excuse me, we had COVID and then he was spotted playing for Wigan and now He's playing for Wales, but wow. very, very close to playing for China. How about that? Wow. That would have been all so different, eh? <laughs> all right. Sunday midnight, that one from Amsterdam, Wales versus Denmark. Uh, Italy won Group A at a canter. They take on the Austrians at Wembley Sunday at 3 a.m. Um, I think, there's Corkill, it's fair to say they have been the form team. Uh, they've been the, one of the more impressive sides of Euro 2020, Roberto Mancini's Italians, still on that unbelievable unbeaten run. 30 games now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and, and uh, 11 without conceding a goal, which is wow. the one that really is an astonishing, <laughs> uh, uh, astonishing fact. And they look good, even with the eight changes against Wales. Uh, they, they look good, um, uh, but they'll bring back their, their regular starting lineup. And they just have this movement, this fluidity. It's a, it's a no-star team. There are, there are very, very good players, but there's nobody who they seem to be relying upon. If Immobile is not doing it, then uh, others will fill in. Locatelli scoring two goals. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, they, they've got this versatility around them, and they've got the security of Kalini, assuming he's, he's fit, and Bonucci defensively. Uh, a average age 255 between them. Uh, <laughs> but that's the defensive solidity. And Donnarumma is just so calm. I hadn't really looked at Donnarumma before because we, we don't watch that many Milan games, but he's just so calm and such a physical presence. 
they, that, that solid solidity and the fluidity going forward is that they mesmerizing. Um, it'd be interesting to see what um, happens when they come up against a, a top, top team who challenged them going, uh, who challenged Cellini and, and Bonucci. But my word, they're very, very good and they seem to play within themselves. I'm, I'm doubly impressed from what it was with Italy beforehand. Uh, unbeaten in their last 13 against Austria, Italy. Uh, 10 wins and three draws. Bob, I mean, it's hard to see past Mancini's Azuri, do you think they're they're a shout for the title? Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, they they have that that team ethic which tends to win these things. You can't win a tournament without having a great team spirit, and uh, they've got it in abundance. They're well managed, very well managed, and uh, they've they've got a stroll here. I, I mean, Austria. Um, they're not very good, are they? They um, they got in uh, somehow. Uh, not a great uh, group they were in. We saw them play England in one of the warm-up games. They weren't very impressive. They do have a scattering of players around the leagues, or around the main leagues. Um, there is a bit of quality there, but uh, collectively they don't look a, a great unit and certainly not the sort of team that would stop Italy I mean they've they've got a big striker Kaladic the six foot seven uh, striker but uh, I mean you know he's going to be well looked after by the um, by the aging uh, centre backs that that Des mentioned <laughs> are referred to um, so and they've got Baumgartner who's who's a pretty yeah Pretty useful player. He's, um, he plays in the Bundesliga. Um, I think there might be a few scouts after him. He scored in the, um, in the group games. Uh, but apart from that, not a lot to offer. I mean, it's going to take one of the big boys to, to defeat Italy. In fact, I'm not so sure anybody will. I, I would have them as, as favourites or, or joint favourites for, for the uh, tournament. It's working out very well. They've had the benefit of playing at home uh, for the group games and they got off to a very smooth start and they, they, they're developing, they're getting better as they go along. As Des said, you know, the, with the changes, it doesn't seem to make a lot of difference. Uh, got a squad depth there and I think they could take on anybody and they've got that confidence that you need for a tournament. So, uh, yeah, there's only one winner here. Another quick word then about the Austrians who are in the uh, making their first appearance in the, in the knockout stages of any major tournament since 1954. Best thing you can say about them, Craig, is that their last group game against the Ukraine, they only needed a draw, but they actually went out. They dominated the Ukraine from the start. I was quite surprised. And then you, you see they got Anatovic. He's their Zlatan. He's their bad boy. He's the one who's going to get them stuff, if anything. Um, yeah, I mean, I you go back to the uh, game against Ukraine, and I thought it was more of a poor Ukraine performance rather than yeah, an amazing true. Austrian performance. Um, Ukraine just didn't turn up. You know, for all the good work that they've done, or they did up to that point, um, you know, I was really disappointed with that performance. And uh, and I think Austria were, were just better on the day. They weren't you know, amazing or didn't have to step it up uh, too many levels. But um, I, I do think this Austrian side, you know, have a few things to, to work on. I think that whole Alaba situation 
um, still baffles me. I mean, why he's playing at centre-back, um, you know, is beyond me. He's wasted there. They need someone like him further forward, um, up the pitch, uh, to create something for the likes of um, um, Anatovic and uh, Kaladic. And if, if they can do that, I mean, we've seen during the group games, you know, when they, when he's moved to left back, you know, the influence that he can still have in that position, get him forward, you know, and, and I just don't understand what they're doing. I think um, if they were to do that, I'm not sure who, who kind of steps into that role and, and replaces him at centre-back. Yeah. Yeah. That might be a bit of an issue, but um, he's surely better in that Austrian team uh, going forward and creating something for them, making something happen uh, than, than sitting at the back. So um, it'll be interesting. Uh, to see how they line up. Um, as I said, uh, as the guy said, you know, I can't see any type of upset um, happening here. You know, I, I think this is Italy. Um, this is Italy, the best team so far in the tournament. But, you know, defensively, fantastic. Going forward, fantastic. Depth in squad, fantastic. Um, I, I just can't find it. I just can't find that weakness where you could say, oh, but they could get caught out here. They just don't have it. Um, and, and I think, is it... Is it every one of their team members has played except um, their best yeah. choice goalkeeper? Yeah, no, I it's terrific management. I disagree. Actually, on that, I disagree. Um, there's, um, it was a dead rubber uh, for Mancini. He he could have easily started Sirigu, uh, <laughs> apart from giving him two minutes at the end when they were when they were leading. I thought I thought it was poor. Uh, if you ask me, if I was Sirigu, I'd be fuming. Oh. All right. Well, um, all, all four meetings between Italy and, and uh, Austria at major tournaments have been at World Cups, and Italy have won all of them. Three one nils, and the last one was a 2-1. So there you go. Italy-Austria is uh, 3am kickoff on Sunday from Wembley Stadium. We're going into our first break. Back after this. Now it's Schick from range! It is a thrilling goal! It is one of the great Euro goals! On the ball on BFM 89.9. Aiden Hazard. De Bruyne! Well, that was pure class! On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back, back with Bob, Des, and Craig looking at the Euro 2020 last 16 ties. The Netherlands are in action against the Czech Republic. This one's Monday uh, at midnight. The Well, um, Ronald de Boer's Holland, Bob Holmes, have gone under the radar somewhat. They've quietly gone about their business they won their group games now they've got a very winnable tie against the czech republic it's in budapest so it will be a, a, a full house there it will uh, so it's going to be rocking well if they uh if they turn up in in those kind of numbers they won't be watching hungary will they so uh, <laughs> it might not be the attraction it it could have been um but uh yeah uh i don't know how they get away with that a full house in hungary but still that's another story netherlands uh again this looks a a fairly comfortable ride for the netherlands not as not as comfortable as uh, austria look for italy but nevertheless uh the czech republic don't look great uh, a competent side that england managed to overcome in a workmanlike fashion, um, but don't offer a great deal, I, I, th I think. Um, Netherlands have got the firepower. I think they've got the quality all over the pitch. 
to see them through this one. And uh, Frank De Boer is making making a lot of people eat their words about his um, managerial skills, isn't he? Or is he is he just finally getting a break? Um, <laughs> he he came in <laughs> came into the job with one of the worst records. Um, of any international manager. I mean, even uh, many Dutch people were wondering how on earth he got the job after. It, they something. thought he was negative, didn't they? A lot of Dutch negative, people, yeah, yeah, really negative manager. Which doesn't go down well in, in Holland. Um, but uh, no, he's not been negative at all, has he? No. I mean, he's, he's not really put a foot wrong. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone deserves a break. Uh, so here we are. I mean... They're they're on a roll, and uh, with this, they should be in the quarterfinals, where they'll meet either England or Germany. So uh, they've they've got a chance of going deep into this tournament. Yeah. They really do have. Yeah. Um, it's a pity they haven't got Van Dyke, because uh, I mean, you know, they they're not quite at the level of of France. Portugal, Belgium, or Italy. I think I'd make those the best four teams in the competition. But if they'd had Van Dyke, uh, they might have been a bit closer. Uh, but they've got uh, the free-scoring Genie Wijnaldum uh, <laughs> as an inspiration, and uh, he's um, he's up there. Uh, he's got he's got a couple of goals, and he's he's playing really out of his skin, isn't he? In yeah. a different position. We've mentioned yeah. this before, but you can't help, help but mention it again because it's so striking in contrast to his uh, performances at Liverpool. He was always the guy that you didn't notice, you know, the, only the manager notices the hard work that he puts in until you read the stats at the end, then you see what he's done. But somehow he, he was on always under the radar. He's not, he's, is on the radar very much in this tournament and has been an inspiration. Uh, so they've, uh, they've got the quality. They've got uh, De Jong, De Ligt um, playing again after, after those two lads um, when they left Ajax with great expectations. They didn't quite hit the ground running in either place, did they? Juve or Barcelona. But they're, you know, they've sorted that out and they're playing well for their country. Uh, they've got real quality there. Memphis Depay, we've mentioned him, a genuinely quality striker. So, yes, uh, I think they'll go, they'll probably go to the semi final, Netherlands. I don't see much to come here from uh, Czech Republic. Schick didn't have much of a game against England. So, uh, yeah, I think fairly, fairly easy win for Netherlands here. Yeah, um, the, the last game between the Orangi and um, the Czech Republic was in 2015. Czechs won 3-2 in Amsterdam. It was for the Euro 2016 qualifiers. But if ever there's a team who can live on a, an outstanding goal, it could be that Patrick Schick from the halfway line, Craig Marias. That could be the one. But, I mean, they've got nothing to lose here, the Czech Republic. They can just go out and try and enjoy the football and see how it goes. Um, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to go out there and give it a go. Um, I think there are a few vulnerabilities uh, within that Dutch side, um, as Bob touched on. I think going forward, absolutely fantastic, free-flowing. Everything we, we, we know about Holland and, uh, you know, their, their history of how they play. But defensively, they're still very suspect. And I think that's where the Czechs uh, will try and get at them. You know, Schick, 
Um, Schick's always been highly rated, hasn't he? But he's never quite done it, never cemented uh, himself as, as as the top man at any of the clubs where he goes. He's always out on loan or, or or something like that. But could this be the tournament where that changes? You know, after that goal, confidence is high. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it's amazing what you know a major tournament can do to a player. You know, you know value of the player goes up. You know, you get interest from big clubs, um, and you know it can quite easily happen for him. You know, he's got the talent. He's young. Um, he's at a, a good age, um, and and as we as we've seen so far, you know, he can really finish. Yeah. Um, so Czechs will will definitely have half a chance uh, with him in the side um, up against them. I think uh, you know when you look at that back line, you know, you see Daly Blind still playing for them. You see Stecklenburg uh, still still for, for Holland. Uh, it, it's a bit old. I mean, yes, you've got your Delitz and and you know all that Dumfries in there, uh, but there is a chance for the Czechs to, to really get at get at them, yeah. um, and I think they'll give it a go. You know, as good as Holland have been uh, for them, it's all about how well the uh, um, you know how well they do in the attacking thirds. Um, and you know, as much as, they, as much as they can, if they can shut up shop. But I think Czechs will will, will fancy this tie as well. You know, I mean, they're not going into it as favourites, like you said, Ross. Nothing to lose. Uh, they're definitely going to give it a go, and rightly so. All right, Netherlands versus the Czech Republic, live from Budapest, a full house at Budapest. It will be Monday midnight, arguably the last sixteen tie of the weekend has to be Belgium versus Portugal. 3 a.m. kickoff. This one takes place in Sevilla, Spain. First, Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo, Des Corkill, has now equal Ali Dai's record, hasn't he? He's hit 109 goals now for his country. <laughs> He's also the leading goal scorer at the Euros. Um, proper good stuff, eh? Uh, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad at all. And they've, they've been exciting as well, Portugal. Um, fun to watch because they're conceding goals at the other end as well. It's, what, seven goals scored, which Ronaldo's got five and, and six conceded. They, they just went uh, toe-to-toe with, um, with France, the many people's favourites. So they're, they're not going to give up their crown without a, a big fight, but they're in the, they're in the real toughest part of the, the draw. Even if they get through the Belgium game, then they're in the same... Um, side of the draw as France and Spain. So for them to repeat their, their, their 2016 victory would be remarkable. But you can't ignore the work of Pepe as well at the back because he's 30, 37, 38. And uh, he's, he's been surprisingly calm. I was expecting some kind of a, a implosion from Pepe, but he's been great. But Ronaldo is just remarkable. Uh, I know it's two games ago, but that sprint which has been highlighted by so many people, but is uh, you, you know the, the goal he scored, the first goal in the in their in their second game, um, where he went, he defended a corner in his own half, sprinted the full length of the pitch to be on hand just to take Jota's um, little touchback. It showed his his dynamism, it showed his pace, it showed his athleticism, it showed his footballing awareness, it showed everything. Any team with Ronaldo in it will always have a chance <laughs> of scoring two goals, and if you score two goals in a game, you've got a real good chance of making it through to the next round. But if you can keep Ronaldo quiet, if then um, then Belgium, uh, to me, are the favourites. And I can see Belgium going right the way through because they have got their own Ronaldo in Lukaku. Yeah. Who I adore. Yeah. Renato Sanchez, interestingly, stepped into the Portuguese midfield in place of Bruno Fernandes against France. He had oh. a really, really good game. 
uh, I thought, uh, all right, well, Ronaldo, 48 goals in his last 45 matches for, for Portugal. Crazy, crazy stats. But a bit about the Belgians then, Bob Holmes. Um, they eased through Group B, absolutely no problems. And uh, Roberto Martinez has got cheat codes up his sleeve with that Belgium squad. The way he, he brought on Kevin De Bruyne at halftime and totally changed that game and won it for them. They are they are weak points. They, people are pointing out to the, def, the, the defence and, and all that. But what, what do you think about Belgium? Uh, well, on paper, we've discussed this before. Yeah, they, they look great. But there is that uh, age factor at the back. And uh, Portugal... I've got an even older guy who can make uh, take advantage of that, haven't they? <laughs> um, it, is, it sounds ridiculous, but we're worrying about um, Belgium's aging defenders who are 30, 32 and 35. Um, and it's a 36-year-old that's likely <laughs> to take advantage of it. Uh, just, uh, yeah, if I can just mention another little nugget here about uh, Ronaldo. Um, when uh, on their 28th birthdays, Ronaldo had scored 37 international goals and Michael Owen had scored 40. Wow. Since, <laughs> since that day, the score is 72 to Ronaldo and none to Owen. <laughs> so what do you, no. what do you say, Bob? What are you, what are you well, alluding to? <laughs> It uh, tells you a bit, quite a lot about Michael Owen, but it also tells you that uh, Ronaldo has actually got better. Um, I mean, he's added things to his game, which we never thought possible, did we? A, a Michael Jordan-esque leap for headers, for example. I mean, his heading ability is tremendous. By the way, John Stones can leap, can't he? <laughs> yes, he can. He's not, he's not always so accurate, but he's got a good jump on him. But uh, no, Ronaldo's the man. I mean, even if he just plays within himself, plays in cameos, the fact that he's still capable of doing that, um, a run like that, a sprint that Des mentioned, uh, that's a threat to any defence, um, let alone Belgium's. But uh, Belgium, yes, Lukaku, I mean, he's, uh, he's pretty unstoppable, isn't he? I mean, he, you know, he's so powerful. And he is good with his feet. He's very, very yeah. tricky. He's got great control. And those two, when you've got that, both of those abilities, you're very hard to stop. And that's why he scored so many goals. So always a danger. And I think if Belgium do find themselves struggling a little bit, then they've only got to look to Lukaku to, to get them out of it. Okay, going into the break then, who is going to win this big one here? Belgium or Portugal, Craig? Belgium for me. Uh, I just can't see how Portugal uh, can beat them. Des Corkill? Patrick for Ronaldo, Belgium 4-3. Belgium, Belgium, definitely. Excellent. Ronaldo, Ronaldo to break the record. 3 a.m. kickoff, Belgium versus Portugal from Sevilla, Spain. Uh, another break. See you soon. That was Ronaldo who got his head on the ball there. And there he is racing through the middle. Support from uh, Bruno Fernandes alongside him. It's into Diogo Schotta. Good chance here for Portugal. Ronaldo! On the ball on BFM 89.9. It is a stunning, stunning moment from Croatia. 
unleashes one true superstar, the brilliant best of Luka Modric. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we all are, Bob Holmes, Craig Marais and Des Corkill, uh, previewing the last 16 at Euro 2020 for you. Of course, you can tweet at BFM Radio or you can find us individually on Twitter. You can follow us on social media as well. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Croatia versus Spain is a Tuesday uh, midnight kickoff. Croatia, of course, beat Scotland 3-1 in their final Group A game to clinch second spot. Uh, We saw in that game, Bob Holmes... All this gold, Luka Modric, 35, outside of the foot. Uh, what a goal that was against Scotland. Yeah, fantastic. Eh? Um, I mean, he's the, uh, he's the main hope uh, in this. I mean, he, he can play Spain at his own game. Uh, we're used to seeing Spain getting possession in the 70s and 80s. Um, percentage-wise, I'd just like to see what Modric's percentage is. We only see the number of touches. They should do a, a possession percentage for individual players. I'm sure Modric has the ball for 20 or 30% of the time. And, I mean, he is still fantastic, isn't yeah, he, yeah. At, um, at this age? So, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the oldies are doing, are doing well in this tournament, aren't they? Uh, when you think about it, I think it's... A, a question of um, form is temporary and class is permanent, and these days they can they can last a bit longer thanks to uh, superior um, medicine and diet and training or whatever have you. So uh, Modric, uh, he's the principal hope for Croatia. I think they've gone back a bit from the highs of the World Cup when they uh, where they got to the final. Um, I mean, that Perisic is probably their biggest attacking threat uh, after Modric. Um, but if Spain can close Mod- Modric down and get the ball off him, and they've got a lot of little guys themselves, I mean, that is their strength after all. So I think that Spain are as well-equipped as anybody to counter Luka Modric. Plus, they know him from La Liga from his years at Real Madrid. So they'll, uh, they'll have a plan uh, for him. And if you stifle Modric, you, you basically stifle Croatia, I fear. Mm. Um, so, and now Spain, has, the floodgates have opened uh, for them with their five goals. I think they'll take some confidence from that. And uh, they, they are heavy favourites to, to win this tie. Yeah, Luka Modric uh, holds the record for the oldest and youngest Croatian goal scorer in international football. I think uh, North Macedonian guy also holds that record, but they're both one though. Goran Pendev, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But all right, Spain, arguably the best attacking display of the tournament in their 5-0 destruction of Slovakia, was it Slovakia? In in the last game, Craig Marias. Um, They are good, but the Morata memes are still rife in social media. Just don't get him to park your car or, or kiss your girlfriend or, or plug in a charger. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, all that aside, Spain are clicking, aren't they? Uh, I mean, it, it was Spain against Slovakia, you know. I mean, <laughs> uh, the, the previous two games they were very, very disappointing. Kind of got through uh, 
by the skin of the teeth. Uh, but there, there's so much quality in the Spanish side. You know, there's the, you know, you talk about depth. They've got depth. There's a lot of quality. They they rested uh, Paul Torres for this. Garcia played. He's, he hasn't played for for City much this season because of his impending move to. Oh, he's already moved actually uh, to he Barcelona. Started from from he, sub squad player to starting well, that, that's what i'm saying right? yeah that's what i'm saying so they, they do have depth you know moreno um hasn't featured in all the games but you know he's he he played and uh but but this morata thing is a problem for them you know they, they don't have uh an out and out striker i mean spain are quite comfortable playing without a striker you know they played that false nine uh before um I think uh, Ferran Torres is probably their backup option if if Morata's not playing. He came on for him, um, so so they they just missed that focal point up there. Yes, Moreno can play up there, uh, and I think uh, Enrique might do it. But again, you know, when when Morata scored in the second group game, you know, he ran straight over to Enrique and and kind of like celebrated with him. So then they could have that kind of relationship where um, you know he might just keep the faith with him. But I, I think it is a bit of a problem for Spain. Um, I, I think it was a fantastic performance against Slovakia. No one can doubt that. Um, but uh, I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done with the Spanish side. So uh, I'm not overly uh, convinced by them. I think there's still a lot of work to do. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they progress in, in the latter stages of this competition. It's Tuesday, midnight, from Copenhagen. Croatia versus Spain. France versus Switzerland is the other Tuesday game from Bucharest in Romania. It's a 3 a.m. kickoff. They are pre-tournament favourites. Do, do you think? Do you, do you see anything to, to think otherwise about the French side, Des Corkill? Uh, no, they seem to be hitting their straps at the right time. The only thing with all of those teams in that top half of the draw is yeah. the number of big matches that they've got because Italy are in that. It's, it's only England, Germany in the bottom bottom half of the big nations. So you've got, it, once you win a game, so they beat Switzerland, that's in, instantly into a, another huge game. And so uh, it, it, might, um, it might stack up against them. But Karim Benzema is looking like he's uh, back uh, full of confidence. Yeah. Uh, Pogba with Kante next to him is a completely different player. All you need is Pogba and Kante because Kante will do all Pogba's work and let Pogba shine for two minutes in a game, which he'll do something brilliant. Uh, I do think, I'm, I've never been a big fan of Hugo Lloris. Never. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he's a, a, the dominant... Uh, I, I mentioned Donnarumma for Italy. I don't think he gives you that same kind of solidity. So I always think you've got a chance of scoring goals against France, but... They've got Mbappe, they've got Benzema, they've got Griezmann, who works like a Trojan. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Uh, Again, it's great to actually see more of these players. And what is Griezmann all about? He's not just a finisher. His work rate has been phenomenal. Um, But I think France are a a very, very good side. But the question mark is against Loris. Uh, The question mark is against their ability, when the chips are really down, for them not to give up a, a cheap goal. So um, I, I can't see Switzerland stopping them. Switzerland will give it a go. Um, but France have got bigger uh, battles to come, even if they get past the Swiss. Ousmane Dembele's Euros is over for, for France. He's picked up an injury. Lucas Digne uh, is a bit of a worry for them as well, because he, he went off in the last game. Uh, the Swiss coach, Vladimir Petkovic, wrote an open letter to the fans, Bob Holmes, before their, their last game, uh, apologising for the defeat to Italy. Um, apparently, Shakiri and Seferovic has been getting a lot of stick back in Switzerland. 
But they both turned up in the 3-1 win against Turkey. That's how the Swiss got through. Uh, and in Shakiri, you, you forget sometimes how actually gifted and skilled that he is. Yeah, I think Jurgen Klopp has forgotten, hasn't he? He never um, gets a run out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he seems surplus to requirements now. I mean, uh, for a while we thought he would uh, eventually burst through with that quality, you know, and be a very useful addition to the squad. But he's hardly done so. And now it looks as if he's going to be sold at the end of the season to uh, raise some money to buy somebody else. Uh, I mean, he's in that category, but he's better than that, as we've seen. Yeah. I mean, those two goals, they, they were, I mean, they were Shakiri at his best. He just hasn't played enough club football. I mean, he looks like he carries a bit of weight. You know, he's, he's, he's not very tall, is he? He's a short guy. Makes him look a bit chunkier than he probably is. But he can move when he wants to. Yeah. And he can finish on the run. I mean, the, he took those, those two goals absolutely brilliantly. And you think, well, can you really sell this guy off for just for a few million? You know, um, I'm not so sure. I've always rated him. So when you've got a player like that, uh, you've always got a bit of a chance. But against France, no. Um, France really are, when you look at the teams, I think France on paper probably are better than Belgium. Um, there's not much in it in certain positions, but France, uh, very, very solid. Um, I agree, Loris, he's probably the only weakness. Um, he had a moment in the World Cup final, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, memorable, a memorable one. It made the game more interesting. Um, but uh, can be a bit of a liability. Yes. Uh, so uh, there, the, with that, I suppose the opponents have always got a chance. But you can't see Switzerland uh, winning this. I mean, this, this round, it's, uh, it's got a couple of blockbuster ties. I think Portugal, Belgium and England, Germany. But the rest are, you know, so-so. It's the quarterfinals that'll be where it's at. When this tournament catches fire, the quarterfinals, they, they, they're almost guaranteed to be something special. So just hold on for those. All right. France versus Switzerland, Tuesday, 3 a.m. from Bucharest in Romania. Anything but a Le Bleu victory, we will be really, really surprised. Uh, all right. Final break. Talk about the, the big one from Wembley next. Griezmann! Normal service resumed. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Back to Grealish again. England could be in here. Over Saka, Sterling, they are in here. Sterling at Wembley again. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back. We're back with Bob, Craig and Des looking at England versus Germany. Wednesday midnight, Wembley Stadium. Uh, last 16 clash. <laughs> Des Torkel, I, I come to you first. Um, memories of, of Euro, what, 96? The penalty shootout at Wembley. Uh, Gareth Southgate, Stuart Pearce, uh, Waddle in that Pizza Hut ad <laughs> where Gareth, uh, Gareth Southgate wore a brown paper bag over his head, embarrassed. This is a young England side. Uh, we, it's a very likable England side, but maybe the team selections haven't illustrated that. 
Uh, so one of the complaints about England is that they always get off to um, fast starts. So a complaint about the World Cup um, thing, get off to fast starts and then petered away towards the end. This time they've done enough to get through. Boring as anything, I do confess, this is the only game that I've stayed up to watch that actually fell asleep in during the, <laughs> the, the second half. I, I, I dozed off. And in many ways, that could be good. I said beforehand, they've kept it relatively low-key. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to know how Gareth Southgate is meant to um, get in all the superstars. So Sancho's flavour of the month, Sacco's flavour of the month, Foden's flavour of the month, Grealish's flavour of the month. I'm not quite sure how he's meant to... To, to put them all in. What I will defend Gareth Southgate on on this is he's been very consistent. He's got a, he's got a favoured front three, uh, a front four behind Harry Kane. So he's, he's got the trust. So you just look back in their, in their, um, their pre-warm-up games uh, and, and the important games, the games against Poland and in the, and the opener, he's gone for a, a three behind the front two um, of uh, Sterling, who he likes and who has, um, responded with with goals. He likes his two holding midfielders, Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. And so he's trying to build a, a solid team where others can come in. Uh, Grealish came in for the last game, but he's obviously clearly not a, a starter. Foden is, is a starter. So I like the way he's kept it really low-key and avoided all the histrionics about, you must play Sancho, you must play Grealish, you must, you must play that. So I think England will go into this uh, relatively secure in their own minds what they're trying to achieve. As for Germany, Germany have been haphazard. I, I do need to make one comment, though, uh, unrelated to the game. There's been a lot of fuss about the rainbow um, uh, armband that Manuel yeah. Noor is, is, is meant to be doing. There's nobody mentioned the fact Germany are playing in black shirts. Please, historically, Germany and black shirts is an abomination. Nobody mentions it. I get absolutely furious with this, with this recent... Uh, um, uh, all, all, all the, uh, the, the problems that uh, what people wear is causing, and they don't <laughs> comment about Germany and black shirts. God. And and there have been worse German armbands as well. Um, let's move on. I know what you it's mean. Important. I know what you mean. But, I mean, looking at the other side, it's one of the nicest black kits at the tournament. Adidas never do Germany bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> ever, ever. Well, but, okay. Adidas uh, are nice German. German. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, there, there is a, a lot of clamour, Bob Holmes, for, for Jaden Sancho. And you can understand it. Jaden <laughs> Sancho has been in... in no, but... <laughs> Jaden Sancho has been involved in a hundred goals in the Bundesliga. But he hasn't been involved for England. Sorry, I'm talking Shut to up. Bob. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and you you add to the fact. All right, the, the, the clamor for Sancho, and then you add to the fact that that uh, Harry Kane obviously is is not a hundred percent there right now. Do you change it for this game? Well, you can't play Sancho for Harry Kane, can you? No, no. I mean, as uh, Des says, I mean, there, there are only so many holes you can fill here. And uh, if uh, I thought Sancho uh, was the one to start in the, um, the game against the Czech Republic, but he played Saka instead, you can't play both of them. Uh, so, yeah, he is limited. The problem is, he, the problem he's got is that the more outstanding young talents are in the same position. Well, they're attackers anyway, or attacking midfielders. And so you, you're limited to how many you can play. So some people want Sancho, some people want Saka, some, a lot of people want Grealish. So, and, and then, of course, Foden. I mean, if Foden wasn't 
wasn't picked, you know, there'd be a clamor for him. So he does have a difficult job. But I think he got a little bit of a break with what seemed to be a misfortune. The, um, the COVID incident with uh, uh, Gilmore of Scotland and the hugging that the two Chelsea teammates gave him. Chilwell so suddenly Mount is out of the picture. Mount. Yeah. So, Mount is suddenly, so it opened the door there. <laughs> and otherwise, I doubt if Grealish would have played, quite yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, so we've had a good look at him and see, you know, we can see what um, he can bring to the party. So that, that was probably a, a, a blessing. But if uh, Southgate feels he can't do without Mount in a big game, I just hope that Mount has been given permission to train somewhere on his own where he can actually run on a field with a ball at his feet because he's supposed to be in isolation until Monday night, the eve of the game, and along uh, with Chilwell as well. And this also, I, I wonder what would have happened if Scotland had scored in that game because there would have been a huddle involving Gilmore, whether he, he scored or not, right? The entire team. Now, would the entire team be isolating now along with Gilmore? Would Scotland, had they got through, would they be playing a, a complete reserve team? I mean, you have to ask these questions. I mean, it didn't happen. But why should two players of the opposition have to sit out possibly two games that's the english tournament. health authority making that call, I mean, isn't it? yeah it is ridiculous you can't even blame uefa for that can yeah. you and they, they made that call based on videos they were sent uh, all right let, let, let's stick to the football i mean england have it all to do and they're up against class opponents craig marais because when you look at this germany side you can only think about that four two thumping against against portugal and you think wow they really sprung to life in that game but then you saw defensive frailties in the 2-2 against against france yeah i mean against uh, oh, sorry hungary hungary yeah uh, they definitely have frailties uh, there's no denying that um this isn't um such a solid german side as we've seen in the past uh, but we knew that coming into the tournament you know there wasn't any um, hype about them. I mean, we know that the Germans love to do their job um, under the radar, but <clears throat> there, there was a feeling going into this tournament that they're not necessarily the favourites that they usually are. Um, they've got a young team, you know, they've, they're kind of finding their way. I, I think the next uh, tournament in uh, the World Cup, sorry, in Qatar next year, I think that would probably be the tournament that they're... Under um, Hansi Flick. Under, under Hansi Flick, you know, that's probably the tournament that they're targeting uh, to, to make a really uh, big impression because a lot of their players, the key players are young ones, you know. Um, and, then, and then you got like someone like, you know, Matt Hummels. Can he, can he really play at this level anymore? I, I think England can really get in him and expose him. He hasn't been great for Dortmund this season. Um, uh, you know, you've got Muller up front. He's not the, the predator in front of goal that we've seen in, in previous major tournaments. Um, but then you've got the talents of Kai Havertz, um, who is playing in that role where he's, he, he's just allowed to roam and, and kind of do whatever he wants. Yep. Uh, Serge Gnabry as well, um, that electric pace that he, he has. And then you see the emergence of someone like uh, Gossens at, at left back, you know, almost plays as a left winger. Um, so, so there is something to this German side, you know, you'd be foolish to write them off. Um, but can they be got at? I, mean, I think this is, a, this is a good chance. England playing at home at Wembley, um, you know, against a, a German side where, you know, they'll take a lot of confidence from that Hungary match. They'll watch that over and they'll, they'll think, well, 
you know, we, we can definitely get at them here. And uh, um, I, I think, you know, that there's not a better time for England to, to put behind the Euro 96 demons, um, <laughs> uh, you know, against Germany. I know, I know they're beating them after that and everything, but this is back at Wembley. You know, they can really, uh, with everyone there, you know, I, j- I just can't wait for this. I think it's going to be absolutely special. And uh, and I think England, we haven't seen a lot of them. We haven't seen them really turn up in this tournament. They've been effective. Uh, they've been a little bit pragmatic, but I think this is the one where, you know, everyone sits up and takes notice of them. I hope so anyway. From an English point of view, this one cannot go to a penalty shootout. It is, it is Wednesday. <laughs> it it's, never can be. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday midnight. Now, Sweden and Ukraine are also playing on Wednesday, 3 a.m. at Hamden Park. We're going to have more in-depth previews of those ties for you on the Monday show. We're, we're rapidly running out of time. We have to mention uh, Johor Darul Taksim playing in the Asian Champions League. They lost their first match, Tez Korkil against Nagoya Grampus 8, uh, Gary Lineker's old team. Uh, 1-0, it, it, I thought the refereeing was, was pretty poor in that game. I thought that the pitch was terrible at the Raja Mangala Stadium. Um, your thoughts? I thought Johor uh, proved that there's nothing really to be scared of. Uh, they, they were every bit uh, the, the equal of Nagoya Grampus, who, um, who Japanese side, you anticipate them to be better than I think that, that they were. They were unlucky. It was, a, it was a legitimate goal they conceded, but uh, it was an unfortunate one of the, the players just crossing as, as, a, as a pass came right in front of goal. They were unfortunate in to have um, uh, a goal by Bergson disallowed in the last minute for... That was a, Well, it was a push. You understand why it was, yeah, why yeah, it was yeah. disallowed. You, yeah, so, so both very understandable decisions. But I think the big thing for me was that Johor didn't use as many of the national team players. There was a kind of a rest there. They've got a huge squad and they proved there's nothing to be scared of. They play Ratchaburi uh, 10 o'clock kickoff, um, uh, Fox Sports, uh, if, you're, if you're watching uh, t- tonight. I think this one's important because it's six group games. Um, after the, the Ratchaburi game, they've got Pohang Steelers, who are probably the strongest side. Pohang uh, waltzed to a 2-0 victory over Ratchaburi in the first game. But Ratchaburi are beatable. Nagoya Grampus are beatable. Uh, Pohang is difficult. There's five Eastern um, uh, groups of which the five group winners go through and the next three best runners up. And there's the same in the West as well. So I think this is a real opportunity for JDT. If they can get a result tonight against Ratchaburi to kickstart their campaign to get themselves uh, a place in the knockout stages of the AFC Champions League for the first time. Brilliant. That's your Friday night football sorted then. Right, we're out of time. So I'm going to say thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the football. I'll be watching from behind two sofas. <laughs> Thanks to Craig Marias. How many sofas, Craig? <laughs> <laughs> no, not for me. Uh, no, enjoy the football. Um, you know, it's it's a big match on Tuesday, but I'm sure you're going to cover that on, on Monday. But uh, weekend of football starts tomorrow. Brilliant stuff. And thanks, Des Corkill. The weekend of football starts in about an hour's time. Come on, JDT. <laughs> but have a great weekend, everybody. Speak to you on Monday. Bye now. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.